eight days. What started before creation and was whispered throughout every day that followed. Thousands of years of prophecy and centuries of silence all led to the birth of a king. For 33 years, he walked and talked and prayed and healed and showed us a perfect life of love, willingly stepping into the greatest sacrifice of all to bring us into a defining moment that would forever restore humanity. Eight days. Nobody wants to be remembered for the worst moment of their life unless you're a sociopath. But betrayers and traitors are remembered for exactly that. Betrayers and traitors are remembered for the worst moment of their life. If you Google the worst traitors in history, the same names show up every single time. In the top four consistently are Marcus Junius Brutus, who plotted to kill Julius Caesar on March 15th, 44 BC, and he's had us bewaring the Ides of March ever since. Mir Jafar betrayed the people of India when he handed over the Bengali army in an exchange for power. He's known in India by this quote, Mir Jafar of Bengal is a disgrace to the faith, a disgrace to humanity, and a disgrace to this nation. Benedict Arnold betrayed the Continental Army, switched sides to become a brigadier general in the British Army. Benjamin Franklin said of him, Judas sold only one man, Arnold three million. And in the first part of that sentence, we find our most famous betrayer. The man who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, Judas Iscariot. I have not been looking forward to preaching this guy. Just the sound of his name makes some people feel uncomfortable because of what he stands for. He stands for betrayal. We've been doing a series called Eight Days. We've been walking with Jesus through the eight days leading up to his resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. So far, we have found beauty along the way. We found it in the response of Jesus to the cries of those on the first Palm Sunday who said, Hosanna, meaning God save us. And we saw in his actions that followed, Jesus said, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm saving you. We found beauty on Holy Monday as Jesus released righteous anger in clearing the temple. Jesus cleaned house. For two purposes. He wanted to change the hearts of the greedy and he wanted to transform the lives of the needy. We watched as Jesus carried out justice in the temple with justice in one hand and healing in the other. On Holy Tuesday, we saw Jesus curse a fig tree and send a message to every single one of us that none of us needs to be fake or fraudulent and instead, Jesus has called us to a life of outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. Holy Wednesday is often called Silent Wednesday because there doesn't seem to be much happening. But in fact, in what Judas is doing and Jesus is not doing, we find this beauty of contrasts. Judas is panicking. Jesus is peaceful. We'll get to that in a second. But before we come to this moment of betrayal, I want you to step back and remember a few things with me. Some things that we often forget about Judas. He's so known for his betrayal, we often forget that he had a whole life before that moment happened. Let me remind you of something. Judas was selected by Jesus as one of the 12, the closest circle. Somewhere along the line, Judas responded to the call of Jesus, come and follow me, and he actually went. 
That should mean something to all of us, right? There was some level of sincerity at the beginning of his journey. Like the rest of the disciples, he left everything to follow this man who called him into service, and he started doing ministry. Judas was given incredible spiritual gifts. Luke 9 tells us that Jesus called the 12 together. That included Judas, and this is what happened. It says he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people. Judas did that work. What's the lesson? My friends, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. You can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons and still end up a betrayer. Here's something else we often forget. We often forget that Judas had every opportunity to change his direction. I mean, think about it. Judas was front and center with Jesus for three whole years. Three years of of personal investment with God, teaching, conversation with God. He personally witnessed the most perfect life ever lived up close and personal. I mean, it doesn't get any richer than that. Judas heard the Sermon on the Mount in person. (laughs) Heard it with his own ears, these words. There's a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. Judas heard the warnings and the stories. Judas was there when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. He heard the gracious response of a loving father to a kid who betrayed his family's name. He heard it all and he chose to walk away. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's Bible which means every one of us has a heart that's quick to betray, quick to flip, desperately greedy and selfish. And then the Bible asks the question, who can understand it? It's hard to understand how kids that were raised to love Jesus by parents who love Jesus can actually decide to walk away from Jesus. Parents, if you're here and that's your story, do not forget last week. Hopefully you heard me loud and clear that when you have a heart of intentional forgiveness and you pray those bold, faith-filled prayers and you refuse to hand your kids over to the enemy, you believe in your heart with outrageous faith that they're gonna find their way home. Don't get stuck in the questions. Where did we go wrong? What more could we have done? Did we fail? Can I tell you something? Those are questions every parent answers. (laughs) I also want you to remember something. Judas teaches us that the perfect example, the finest teaching, the most perfect environment for incubating faith cannot change a human heart unless that human heart embraces the example and the teacher of Jesus. This is so worth noting, right? All along the way, the love of Jesus that seeks and pursues, that never wavered. Jesus was constantly reaching into the depth of Judas's soul, calling him back. Judas had every opportunity to change his trajectory. And we know it happened because here's what we know. Judas witnessed many of the miracles Jesus performed. Not only heard about them, he saw them. When Jesus fed the 5,000, Judas was there passing out the bread. When Jesus calmed the storm, Judas was there when everything went quiet. When Jesus raised people from the dead, 
Judas saw the before and the after. I mean, you want to talk about evidence. You can't have experienced better evidence than Judas experienced, but he flipped. And I believe I know why. Because Judas chose proximity over personal relationship. If you don't get anything else, get this. Judas was close, but not close enough. He heard, but he never listened. He looked, but he never really saw. He was in class, but he never learned a thing. My friends, you can know about Jesus, but that's not the same as knowing Jesus. You can win every round of Bible trivia for the rest of your life and completely miss out on who Jesus is. You can have an intellectual appreciation for Jesus, but that doesn't make him Savior and Lord of your life. On Holy Wednesday, instead of following Jesus, Judas was making deals on the side. Deals that would have eternal consequences. Deals that would actually start way before the betrayal actually even occurred. So let's see where the roots of betrayal start to show themselves. This story that I'm going to read to you is a study in contrasts. Some scholars believe that this moment actually happened on Holy Wednesday. We don't know for sure. Jesus is at the home of Mary, Martha, and then their brother Lazarus. Judas was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. And I'm pretty sure you can imagine if they gathered for a dinner, there was probably some pretty amazing conversation. I wonder if Lazarus is sitting in the middle of the room sharing what he saw or what it was like to be dead or what was heaven-like or whether he was glad to come back or somewhat disappointed that he had to come back here. It's an amazing gathering of friends with food and connection and suddenly one of the sisters stops the party and this is what happens. The Bible says then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That's extravagant worship. It was costly. This is unbelievable humility. Jesus is going to be washing feet in about 24 hours. We're going to talk about that next week. But Mary is bathing the feet of Jesus with a sacrificial gift. And in the moment of that gorgeous worship, Judas talks. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. In some translations, and in different parallel passages, actually tell us that it wasn't just Judas who protested. In another section of scripture, same story, we find that other disciples joined in the process. Do you see how greed begins to spread? Some translations say that the disciples used these words, what a waste. They saw what Mary did and that was their, that was their commentary. What a waste. Do you see the contrast here? What Mary saw as worship, Judas saw as a waste. This is so important. When you are content to give Jesus something, but not everything, he's not your savior and he's not your Lord. 
Judas was offended because he wanted something more than Jesus. He wanted access to the money. Why? So he could skim a little off the top. He saw her worship as a waste because it wasn't benefiting him. Can I tell you how this works today? It kind of works like this. Francis Chan is, is an amazing, very well-known pastor. And he tells this story of one day after church, he's standing out in their version of the commons when he was pastoring in California, and someone walked up to him and said, Pastor, I, I didn't really like the worship today. And Francis's response was, that's totally okay. We weren't worshiping you anyway. Following Jesus isn't about making what's for him work for you. Joy comes when you surrender everything. When you say, Lord, if, if I've got it, you can have it. If you can say, you can have my relationships, my future, you can have my mind, you can have my time, you can have my talent, you can have my treasure, you can have the best and the worst of me, you can have everything that I am. I mean, I surrender everything to you. That's worship, and it's not a waste. Here's the other contrast. Mary chose generosity. Judas chose greed. Judas was robbing God. And before we just slide on past that with some judgment in our hearts, I want to remind all of us, and I'm starting with me, robbing God happens every single time I withhold anything from a God who deserves everything. Mary chose to pour it all out. A year's worth of wages gone in a second. But it was worth it. Mary chose to give it all away while Judas chose greed. Mary was led again and again to the feet of Jesus. Judas was led to a moment of betrayal. The Bible says in Matthew 26, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. How many times have we sold out Jesus? You go, well, Grant, I don't ever remember really doing that. Are you sure? How many times have we joined in a gossip circle when we knew that we shouldn't? How many times did we choose personal greed over generosity? How many times did we stay silent when God asked us to speak up? How many times did we choose the fear of man and not invite someone into this journey with us because we were just too afraid of what their response might be? How many times did we choose filling our own fridge and building our own business over caring for widows and orphans in a world filled with so many social pressures? How many times did we compromise our conviction and choose fitting in over standing out? Some of you are going, Grant, you're starting to meddle right now. Yes and amen. But we're so quick to label what Judas did as betrayal, but I wonder how many times. 
when we've had an opportunity to do exactly what God asked us to do and our response was, I don't think so. It's a little too uncomfortable for me. I think I'm going to take the easy way. You know, the rest of this story is so tragic. Judas makes a deal. And in the garden of Gethsemane, he seals it with a kiss. A few days later, filled with so much regret and refusing the very grace that Jesus had offered to him over and over and over again, the same grace that's offered to every single one of us, he tries to take it all back. But the events that he had set in motion, they were already out of his hands. And despair actually led Judas to take his own life. Let's stop here for a moment. If you're experiencing that kind of despair today, don't be alone. Reach out and let us walk with you so we can share the very same hope that Jesus offered to Judas over and over and over again. Don't make the same mistake and refuse the grace that Jesus offers. It can save your life. You know, it's a challenge often to find any beauty in Holy Wednesday because it's known as the day of betrayal. Judas is making deals and selling Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's like, well, Grant, where, where do we find any beauty in this story? Well, it's actually there. It's actually tucked into the background with a promise where Jesus said this to every single one of us today. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Judas refused the rest of God. He decided, I'm gonna do this my way, and it led him down the wrong path, which our way always does. But I want you to think about this, maybe a different perspective. While all of that is going on with Judas, while he's making deals and making a notorious name for himself, Jesus is resting in Bethany. It's another study in contrast. While Judas was conspiring and rejecting, Jesus was connecting and resting. I want you to get this picture. Judas is panicking, Jesus was praying. Judas was losing his way. Jesus was making a way. Judas was fretting and Jesus was forgiving. Amazing things happen when we rest. I experienced this personally this past week. If you were here last week, I had to preach from a stool, couldn't move, and then my back locked down even more. It was not a pretty picture. Thank you for all the prayers. I really appreciate it. But for me, I got to Sunday afternoon and I'm beginning to fret. It's a couple weeks before Easter. Getting ready for Easter is a lot of work. And I had a busy week planned out of preparation and ministry. And then I hurt my back. Apparently I'm getting older. A little bitter about that. If you're a therapist, I'll talk to you. Okay, so. And I find myself on Monday and I can't do anything and I'm frustrated and I had to stop. And my wife, who's so much wiser than me, kept saying, but Grant, maybe it's a gift. Maybe you need a different perspective. 
didn't listen for the first little bit. I was so unbelievably f- frustrated. And then Jesus kept sending people to encourage me. And as the week went along, Jesus met Laurel and I in some amazing prayer times. I had to do something crazy. I had to rest easy and let Jesus take care of Easter. And what I learned was this. I would have missed all the moments if I just kept going. So God gave me a gift, a pause, an insight, a perspective, a connection. I got to experience his presence and worship flat out on my back. I was truly weak and he was truly strong. Doing a little better today, up to about 90%. Unless I step the wrong direction and then everything goes, ooh. And I <laughs> God gave me a gift that I didn't deserve, but I was so unbelievably grateful. So here's my question. What are you going to do with the gift of today, church? There's only one answer for d- betrayers. Stop and choose devotion. There's only one answer for people who think worship is a waste. Instead, change your perspective. See and participate in worship with a passion and an extravagant offering of yourself. There's only one answer for people who mistakenly believe that proximity to Jesus is enough. Here's the answer. Recognize that it's not. (laughs) And press into a relationship with Jesus with all that you are. There's only one answer for people who choose greed over generosity, and that's to take a step and give out of the overflow of your heart. Here's what I know about Jesus. He pursued Judas to the very, very end. That's how big his grace is. And he'll pursue you exactly the same way. His grace is calling your heart home today. You're like, Grant, you don't understand. I've betrayed him in so many different ways. Jesus said there's forgiveness. Believe and trust him and take him up on it and see what happens to your life. I never really appreciated the story of Judas until I took a step back and looked at all of the opportunities he had to change his trajectory. Let's not make the same mistake he made. Let's follow Jesus passionately. Let's pour it all out. We have no idea how many more days we have. Let's make it count today in Bellingham, in Whatcom County, in Washington State, in the United States, in North America, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're gonna pray. And then I wanna give you an opportunity. If you're at home right now and you'd like to give a prayer request, we'd invite your prayer request at prayer.ctk.church. We have an army of people who would love to pray with you and for you. I wanna encourage you as a church to be active in inviting. There is a hunger in a world gone crazy for real truth. Don't be afraid of the responses. You're not in charge of the responses. You can only control your obedience. And I want to encourage all of us. We need to become bringers and includers on this incredible journey that we're on. 
And today, I'm not going to give you some pastoral platitude. Don't be a Judas. No. Be one of the courageous 11 that followed Jesus all the way to the end. For great was their reward in heaven. And great can yours be as well. 930, would you stand with me as we pray? So I know with all my brothers and sisters in the room, it's really, really easy to get to the end of the church and go, yep, good, check, out the door, look to the left, oh, Italian, that's cool, back to my car and on with my day. Some of you need to pray with somebody today. And there'll be members of the after-service prayer team right up here at the front. We would love to pray with you. Dealing with betrayal starts with confession and it's followed by repentance. When we do those things together, God heals hearts and cities and countries and worlds. So maybe you think, well, I just don't know if I want anybody to know any of my stuff. Can I remind you of something? God already knows all your stuff. And he's still saying, come and be a part of the family. So I'd invite you to come forward afterwards for the prayer team, access them, and to be active in inviting people for Easter. We have a good chunk left to go in our missions offering, but I know this year God's gonna respond through his people, and I'd encourage you to be obedient to those opportunities. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be upright and to be with my spiritual family. I thank you for their love, care, and concern over the past days. And Lord, now as we continue to give ourselves fully into these moments, God, on this silent Wednesday, may we be um, thoughtful and contemplative. Lord, may we stop in a moment when we are tempted to betray you through an action. And I pray instead that we would choose faithfulness today. So God, remind us again of the beauty in Silent Wednesday. And may we rest easy being obedient, loving, and kind this week. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to be generous again. I thank you that every time we give to you, you multiply it over and over again. We are so unbelievably grateful. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.